if we haven't met, my name is Adalis, uh, part of the pastoral team. Happy Sunday, happy Super Bowl Sunday, if you care about that kind of a thing this year. Um, but more importantly, happy gathering time. Uh, it, it matters to be here, to be able to connect from wherever we are, to spend this time pursuing the Lord. I'm grateful I get to share together as we're in our uh, Healthy Love series. We've been walking through 1 Corinthians 13, uh, this verse that often gets pigeonholed to, um, you know, for wedding love, romantic kind of love, and it is that, but it's just so much more than that. It's about God's love, about God's love for us and how thoroughly we are affected by it. Every corner of our lives, right? As we receive his love, as we remember him in our lives, our choices change, right? These situations that require love, we're different in them, right? As, as we continue in, in experiencing his love and in practicing his love, our awareness of him in our lives grows. Our uh, responses change to reflect this love that we've been receiving. Uh, and we just, there's, as, as we receive his love, we just naturally give it more. Uh, it, it's sort of like in, in situations where we have, you know, we spend a lot of time with someone, we pick up on their mannerisms or we start dressing a little bit like them, right? If that happens in little ways in relationships, how much more so in this most important aspect of life, the love of God. Uh, and so I would love for us to read the first part of 1 Corinthians 13 before we dive in together. Let's read it together. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. If I give away all I have, if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing." Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. And that's what we're going to sit with, that love is not rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Let's pray and welcome in the Lord to our time together. Uh, Lord God, uh, we've prayed a bit together. Uh, we've gotten to seek you in worship, uh, Lord, and we just once again invite you here in this moment. Uh, Lord, we pray for your presence with us, for you to give us a soft and attentive heart and mind towards you, Lord, as we consider your love. Uh, Lord, would you help us to experience that love in this time? Uh, we, we, put, uh, we put before you uh, all of the concerns, all of the distractions. We settle before you as much as we can as we, uh, as we prepare to receive you in this time, Jesus. We pray these things in your beautiful and loving name. Amen. Amen. Um, I was at a cafe in the city uh, just recently, and the cafes are just, they're, the cafes are they're wonderful places. I would be at a different cafe every day if I could. And most of them are wonderful in the city. Great environment. Maybe it's a little bit of a giveaway of where we're going that I gave you that disclaimer. Um, a couple of ones I've been to sort of make me feel like they're doing me a favor by permitting me to spend my money on a latte. Now, granted, the latte is, is delicious. There's, there's some give and take going on, but it's just a bummer vibe sometimes. And I try to combat it with my most winsome self, but there's only, you know, you can't really... It is what it is. Um, and I was at one of these cafes, I won't name it, uh, but I'm waiting and I've been waiting a little bit. Um, and there's, it's not busy, um, but as I'm waiting, one of the baristas turns around and she has an incredibly rude word plastered on her sweatshirt. 
Like it's the only thing on her sweater in all caps, four times, word, 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 word. I'm not gonna say what it rhymes like or what it starts with. It's a bad one. It's the one that I remember the first time I heard it as a kid. It was at maybe the only time my dad ever said, don't tell your mother you heard me say that. Naturally, my brother and I went and, and figured out what it meant on our own. It's just, it's just bad. It's like the, the memory of this sweatshirt is seared into my memory. I, I couldn't believe it. And now, obviously, well, my understanding of professionalism is one thing, but the sweater spoke volumes to me about that person's worldview. And granted, I don't know her. I don't know her heart, right? We, but of course, there's more to her than the sweatshirt. But sometimes all we get are first impressions. And what I got in that moment was a blistering and harsh statement. And it's not the kind that suggests love. And as we're pursuing healthy love, right? We're pursuing a love that is not rude and not just in the, oh, it's not a, a curse word rude, right? Like regular rude too. Um, but as we're pursuing healthy love, what is this love that's not rude that uh, 1 Corinthians 13 verse five points out? And I sat with it and I, I, had a, I had a little bit of, I had to, you know, simmer on it for a while because why does this even need to be articulated that love is not rude? And I, I don't mean to be disrespectful because these are the scriptures and they're sacred, right? But duh, love isn't rude. Why do we need to say it? What would happen if I was just, just super rude to you, right? We're, we're in a conversation and I'm doing all kinds of other stuff. Take a call and don't excuse me. I just get up and walk away. We're taking a walk and I just... We're going to build, like, I, you know, we're going in somewhere and I, the door slams behind. I'm just rude, ordering you around. Like, the relationship's not going to go anywhere. It's not loving, right? Um, and so I was looking at some of, uh, some of the other translations and how they render out the same word that results in the ESV using rude. Uh, there's a lot about external behavior, manners, behaving properly, etc. And it does matter. Our behavior matters, of course. But that wasn't compelling or helpful for me in trying to figure out where we're going with this. Um, but the NIV came to the rescue. Uh, it translates as, uh, it does not dishonor others. Right? Now that, that's different. To honor someone is a choice. It's rooted in acknowledging that person's worth, regardless of the situation that we find ourselves. Right? This is easy when people are kind and there's no bad words written on their sweaters or whatever. I wasn't rude to the barista, by the way. I just kind of stuttered to nobody but myself. And then I walked away. I didn't get a latte, even though it was so cold that day. Um, the honoring people is, is easy, right? In, in, in a lot of situations with, with the people that we love, that we're already close to in the comfortable situations, it gets hard with strangers, uh, with moments of conflict or in times that we are outside of our comfort zones, right? It's a choice because to honor somebody is to put them above ourselves. It's the essence of love in some ways. Uh, and Matthew Henry, in his commentary, uh, he, he uses this word charity to connect the ideas of love and how it's not rude. Let's read what he says here. He writes, charity is an utter enemy to selfishness. It does not desire or seek its own praise, honor, profit, or pleasure. Not that charity destroys all regard to ourselves or that the charitable man or person, it's generic, uh, that the charitable man should neglect himself in all his interests, but charity never seeks its own to the hurt of others or to neglect others. It ever prefers the welfare of others to its private advantage. 
How good-natured and amiable is Christian charity? How excellent would Christianity appear to the world if those who profess it were more under this divine principle and paid due regard to the command on which its blessed author laid the chief stress? That good-natured and amiable Christian love goes so counter to any like you-do-you vibes, rudeness in the world, any idea of like my truth and your truth butting heads. There's one truth right? This chief stress, this vital responsibility we are given by the author of love himself is to love and to love well. Love is, it's not about just not being rude. It's not like, oh, well, I wasn't mean to the person. The invitation of love is to love, not avoid being mean. And so what does it look like if love isn't rude? The word for us to sit with today is it's sensitive, Sensitive to the needs of others, to what state they're in, their dispositions, their areas of weakness and strength. Sensitive to God's voice in those moments. And so let's, let's paint a picture of contrast a little bit. Sometimes defining something uh, by what it's not is a little, it's a little confusing, right? So let's look, at, let's look at these two words, rudeness and sensitivity, right? If rudeness is self-focused, well, sensitivity is others-focused. If rudeness is blind, sensitivity is self-aware, Rudeness cuts people off or cuts them out, uh, and sensitivity assumes the best. Rudeness is distractive, where sensitivity is attentive. Rudeness takes, and sensitivity gives. Uh, rudeness is harsh, where sensitivity comes from a place of contentedness. Rudeness dishonors, and sensitivity respects. Rudeness is cold, where sensitivity is kind, right? This kindness. This, this respect, this attentiveness, this born from a place of self-awareness and others' awareness and, and choosing to seek for what God wants in those places, right? Proverbs 14.21 teaches us, it's a sin to despise one's neighbor, but blessed is the one who is kind to the needy, right? Don't be rude to people, but be kind, be sensitive, be loving to the needy. And let's be honest, we're all needy. We're all needy. I don't mean in a super like needy, needy, clingy ways. And I'm not, you know, I'm not minimizing the times where we have, we're just in a time of need. That's, I'm, I'm not, you know, belittling or minimizing at all. But like, let's roll with me on this so we can, we can wrap our heads around this. I'll tell you who's needy. My plants, okay? My dog too, but that's for different reasons. My plants, okay? Roll with me on it. My spider plants were looking a little sad. Their color was pale. The leaves were droopy. You know, normally they've got this, you know, it's a, it's a nice rich green color. There's a white stripe that runs down. Nice contrast. It looks a little wild and not like a scary spider, like a cute, many, 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 many legged spider. It's cute. Um, and, and these plants were showing the signs of my insensitivity toward them. They had not been watered. Um, bad plant mama, I know. And I realized the error of my ways and my insensitivity and lack of love toward my plants. You see where I'm going with this, right? Uh, I watered them once. And the next day, the next day, okay, the leaves had more color back in them, almost all the way back. 
There was a little bit more lift to the leaves. There was even a new leaf on one of the, I walked once, okay? And a new leaf, what a reward, okay? Don't overwater your plants either. People are not so different from plants, okay? Some of them have gone a long time like my poor spider plants, they've gone a long time without receiving some positive attention, without a little nourishment of love and kindness. They've been on the receiving end of a lot of insensitivity, a lot of inattention, and if hurt people hurt other people, can we be compassionate in abrasive moments to remember that we don't know everything about what a person is walking through and choose kindness, right? Can we water people with love, even when we don't know what's going on with them? Other people are less kind of quick fix like my spider plants decided to be, and they're a little bit more like my fiddle leaf fig. Now, to be fair to this plant, it is resilient. It has been through some trauma. I'm really painting myself as like, like a, just a bad plant mom, but they're green in my house, okay? They are green, okay? But this fiddle leaf fig, they're hard plants anyway, and uh, it, it went through a lot. It wasn't watered enough, and then it was watered too much, and then it was too much sun, and then it was too little sun, and then the soil was infested with flies, so I left it outside for like way too long, and then it came inside and needed to act. It was a whole, it's been a whole thing, okay, this poor plant. But with some consistent attention and sensitivity to its needs, consistent watering, turns out the leaves need to be sprayed with a spray bottle that now sits right next to the plant, okay? The right amount of light, opening the curtains to make sure that light gets in the house, reminding my husband the plant is not dead, thank you very much, okay? This plant, the comeback of a lifetime. I'm not joking, it has not only new leaves, it has a new branch, a whole new branch, okay? Some people are more like that. They need that consistency. They need the repeated kindness, the sensitivity that chooses to also be patient. And patience is a choice, right? Patience over time. And over time, love always, always, always prevails. It's not too much of a stretch, is it, right? That people are just a little bit more complex than plants. We, we do have the same, our basic needs. We need water, People also need sunlight, right? Food, shelter, etc. It's probably what that verse from Proverbs most directly refers to, right? But there are other needs too, and, and they are just as important. We need to feel belonging. We need to feel like our friends notice. We need to feel like we have friends. We need to have them. Um, but we also need to feel like they notice if we're not ourselves. We need them to text us back or text first for a change or to notice if we show up and how we're showing up right? We need to feel valued and respected and appreciated. And dare I say it, we need to feel loved. Practicing healthy love towards plants is comically simple in comparison, right? Even the most complicated of plants. A simple comparison in comparison to people. Practicing healthy love in our relationships as we nurture the people around us also reveals what we believe in, right? As we're, as we're loving people, as we're giving love, because you can't control what other people are going to do. We can only make our own choices and, and, and try to, you know, love people, right? Hopefully they'll love us in return, right? But as we, as we express this love, we have to be aware of ourselves in these places of love, to love others for love's sake and not in order to have our own needs met.
We need to love for the purpose of loving others. Even though we have needs that need to be met, of course, but the priority of our motivation should be to love others for love's sake, right? Not to have our own needs met. How we love shows what we believe about love and about the Lord, right? If we believe that people are made in God's image, if we believe that God is love, that he's the source of good things, how far are we willing to go? Are we willing to extend ourselves to discomfort in order to show God's love to those around us, all those around us, not just the ones who are sure love us back or at least respect us? Some of us will remember Jesus' teaching on the least of these. And, and for some of us, like this is, this is new. Um, but in Matthew 25, Jesus casts vision for the future. And he's teaching all these parables, these stories on what it will be like when he returns. These parables that call us to live attentive to his voice above all the distractions. And one of the parables, the sheep and the goats, affirms those who love well. We'll read it. Uh, we're not reading the whole parable, just a portion. From verse 34, then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And the quickest thing we think on these verses is that it's about tangible needs. And it is certainly about that. What God has given us is not just for our private enjoyment, but to be used with boldness and faith to show just how good the giver is, our Father in heaven. These verses are about loving well. They're fundamentally about loving well, about living well. Really about living the love-filled life that Jesus modeled for us. Right? Jesus stopped for the poor and he stopped for the rich. He stopped for men and for women, for the in crowd and the out, sensitive to who they were and what their needs were in that moment. To practice healthy love by extending sensitivity is to remind ourselves that every single person around us, the ones we know and the ones we don't, the ones we get along with and the ones we don't, every single person around us is precious to God and our struggle with ourselves or with them does not prevent us from loving them well. They are our least of these. We are all least of these in that sense. This is within our choosing in every situation. There's a loving and sensitive option for us if we're willing to choose it. So practically, sensitive love can look like a few things. This is not an exhaustive list at all, right? But some ideas. One, it looks like slowing down. We can't be sensitive to the needs of others if we're just in a hurry to move on. Second, say less. And I don't mean in the new Gen Z way of say less, meaning I agree you can say more about that. It, it just literally talk less and listen more. I was in some pastoral training and the pastor gave us an acronym that may be helpful for you as well as been helpful for me. It's wait, why am I talking? Just a good, it's a good reset and filter. 
Next, don't be rude, be polite, right? Say please and thank you, hold the door open, give up your seat if you're able. When you're in line at Costco, don't be scoping around like a vulture trying to get in that line that was slower earlier so you got in the line that you're in now, but now that one's quicker and so you wanna move over and cut somebody off. Next is give, um, especially when we find ourselves not wanting to. Offer to pray and actually do so, even if it's just a sentence or two by text. Text, call, FaceTime, and do it first. And this next one that can be challenging, but particularly for people around us who we know are in a harder stretch in their lives, try to offer help in specific ways. Just send the gift card unprompted, or say you wanna do something specific, right? Like, and especially if you're there, just do it, right? clean the kitchen or take out the trash, offer to walk the dog or walk the person, uh, water their plants, bring them flowers, just drop them at the door if you can, give them a ride, uh, fill in the blank. It's, it's always gonna depend on the situation and that person's life structure, of course, we wanna be respectful. But so often people don't wanna be a burden and sensitive love assumes that and helps bridge the gap. Can we see how love isn't rude is about so much more than basic manners? The model we have in Jesus is beautiful and perfect, and we get to spend our lives growing toward that Christ-likeness. And in the process, we can certainly make an impact in the lives of the people around us in little and big faithfulness. We just have to remember what Jesus taught. The people around us are our least of these. Now, a lot of the time, we're gonna notice the need for this side of healthy love, this sensitivity, this encounter with rudeness in times of conflict, right? Easy to be polite, slow, attentive when there's no conflict. Um, so maybe to, to shift our gears a little bit, let's think about some of our most recent relational conflict, whether it's with a friend or family or at work or something, right? Can we think of some things we could have done better, even if we were the ones who were wronged? Was there a way we could have maybe practiced a bit more sensitivity toward the Lord in that moment that could have resulted in a better outcome or, or just a greater sense of love present in that moment? How we show love in navigating conflict matters for the outcome of the conflict, of course, but also for our witness. How are people going to learn about God and who he really is? Not what, like, culture or stereotypes or pictures of like empty religion make him out to be, but the real thing, a deeply personal and intimate relationship with the creator of the universe every day, right? That's, that's the reality of this life we're invited into. Some people will find out about who God is through miraculous encounters and praise God, more of those, Lord. But you know, one of the ways that people most often hear about God or decide to attend church or encounter anything positive about him is, you guessed it, word of mouth. It's their neighbors and their coworkers, the people God has already placed around them. It's us. Yes, so often we are the ones thirsting for a touch of God. We want to, to register his presence and activity. We bring our requests before him with thanksgiving as the proverb teaches us. And we wait to feel that transcendent divine peace, like a touch of that is gonna help us to know God's really in it. But that waiting 
sometimes prevents us from actually experiencing what God might have for us. See, often some of the most powerful ways we experience God at work is when our attention is off of ourselves and on to others. When we press into moments of sensitivity and love toward others, we actually are the ones who get to not just witness something happen with them, but also experience God, God's work in ourselves. We're, gonna un- we're going to encounter unloving people in moments, right? It's normal. We ourselves, if we're honest, can be that too. How we respond and not react reveals volumes about this love that we believe in. Sensitive love. To choose a love that isn't rude or insisting on its own way, right? But sensitive love looks like balancing healthy boundaries while extending that hand of gracious love. Sometimes healthy boundaries just, or unhealthy boundaries turn us too far inward towards ourselves, right? We're talking about healthy boundaries. When we've been hurt, it looks like fighting our internal tendencies, right? Fight, flight, or flee, freeze. Those are, you know, fight or flight plus freeze, right? Whichever you are, sometimes we have to fight that in order to be present and really attentive. No conflict exists in a bubble. It's always going to bleed out to the people closest to us at minimum, but often larger than that. The people around us get this front row seat to, well, you say you believe in this, but how is it showing up when you interact with others, particularly when it's difficult? Jesus showed us how all over the scriptures. But one example that comes to mind is when he was confronted by the Pharisees as they threw the woman caught in adultery at his feet. Like talk about rude. There was so much wrong in that situation, right? Adultery is wrong and it takes more than one person, right? So layers of wrong. The Pharisees manipulation and power mongering, wrong. The public humiliation of that woman was wrong. The the attempt to test and trap Jesus, just foolish, right? Jesus models how to respond. He doesn't ignore them. He doesn't rage or lash out. Neither does he even dignify the question. He holds his boundaries, his healthy boundaries. He redirects to point to the heart and to point to what's right. And he does so with gentleness, attentiveness, and sensitivity to every person in that space. And with one sentence, right? Let the one who has no sin throw the first stone. That one sentence diffused the entire situation. Even with the woman after, lovingly pointing to her own freedom won by his love. Go and sin no more. That healthy love is the most freeing thing. Yes, in the the feeling and experience of it, but in our relationships, And the relationships we have are some of the most important things we will ever be entrusted with in this life. And for some of us, this is just really foreign, right? Maybe we never saw conflict modeled well growing up or or in the relationships we've had. Some of us feel like, you know, we never really saw love expressed in a healthy way, right? Raised in environments for some of us where our needs were not met. There's insecurity, fear of punishment, avoidance, rejection, shame. We're raised in an environment that fundamentally was not sensitive to our needs. As a result, relationships are super challenging, right? Honestly, that that might be making us question this whole conversation that we're having. 
I want to gently encourage you to bring those unmet needs before the Lord. We can choose to be sensitive towards others because God has already been sensitive to us and he is sensitive towards us even now. He's aware of every instance that has uh, that he's aware of every instance that has transpired and has healing and hope and a future for us. And I want to encourage you to try a little bit of, of something that might feel kind of risky. Put yourself in a position to love and to be loved. Choose to be in places to love and to be loved. Healthy change requires choice, right? To choose to try. And I'm not going to suggest anything wild like go and confront your childhood trauma. Um, that would be insensitive. But I have a safe and honestly fun suggestion. Join a volunteer team at the church. I know, I know. Okay, look, I harp on this all the time. Please be original in Dallas, but bear with me for a moment. Because as someone myself who walked into church with so much hurt, uh, who walked in with so much insecurity and no idea what confidence or healing could possibly look like. I didn't have the slightest idea of how to express a healthy love. Um, honestly, I was probably pretty rude and there are people who are still around but who could tell you about it. I just hope you don't ask them about it. Um, Listen, I learned by doing. I learned by doing, not by waiting and sitting in it and just hoping it would change. That failed. Not by uprooting everything and, and running away. I'm grateful that the Lord closed that door for me. Because if he hadn't, then I wouldn't be here now. I learned by showing up and by being a part of something healthy and challenging. We actually receive healing and blessing by choosing to be a healer and a blesser ourselves. And you're not unqualified just because you haven't done it before. That's exactly what the Lord sometimes wants to use to bring breakthrough into our lives, to teach us what love really looks like. I'm not saying ignore your problems and they'll go away. Much as I would love for that to be true, it's not. It is the reminder that the way of Jesus, which inevitably leads to fullness of life and freedom, the way of Jesus is not controlling and it's not bound up by the past and it's not self-centered. It's self-aware enough to be others focused. And in choosing to release ourselves to the care of the Lord, step into these others focused environments, that's when we're actually blessed ourselves. That's when we grow in this sensitivity towards others and towards the Lord. More awareness of him. Greater awareness leads to recognizing more of what he's doing. It's this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful cycle. We receive this greater awareness individually and collectively by getting to participate together. We get to look back and see, wow, look how much you have done, God. Love is always at work. God is always at work healing and growing us. And we get to see ourselves made better and made more loving by the grip of God's love at work in our lives. And in a moment, the band's going to close with a song that's a rallying cry for this, right? It's, I just hope the song sticks with you. There's a couple of lyrics I want to point out. First, sometimes the next right thing is all you can do. 
Sometimes the next right thing is all you can do. If nothing else, the next time you're confronted with a difficult or a rude situation, uh, or better yet, the next time you're realizing that you might be the source of it, you could use a little more sensitivity yourself, ourselves, let's ask the Lord, Lord, we can't change the past. What's the next right thing we can do? Just ask him and respond. And second, second lyric, leave people better than we found them. Not just leave places, like when we go for a hike or a picnic, but leave people better than we found them. Isn't that what the Lord does in our lives? Isn't that what we see over and over in the scriptures and what we get to witness over and over in every single one of our lives? It's the greatest gift when we get to find out we were part of God impacting someone else's life. I can tell you from experience, sometimes it's actually better to know that we've impacted somebody else's life through the Lord than when we realize he's, he's impacted ours. Because it's this double blessing and it magnifies and multiplies the impact in more ways than math can make sense of. Let's leave people better than we found them. And if we feel like we haven't experienced this aspect of God doing that in our own lives, I want to encourage us during this song, just ask God, show me how things could be better if I found you. God, show me if things could be better if I found you. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your attentive, gentle, kind, warm, attentive and sensitive love for us, God, that you modeled for us, that you're inviting us into. God, we thank you that this isn't something that we do just out of our own willpower, but something that you empower us to do. And so Lord, as we receive this song together, help us to be people that leave others better than we found them. Lord, help us to be people who are self-aware enough to be attentive to others. Give us a sensitivity towards your voice that results in a sensitivity towards others. And God, show us how your love is at work even now. We thank you for this time. We love you, Lord, and we want to love you more and more, God. Help us to experience more of you, Jesus. We pray these things in your good and beautiful name. Amen. Amen. Let's enjoy this song together.
everyone, let's love people well. And his love never fails. More of God's love flowing through us. More of the Jesus reality touching people around us. Always have reasons to be offended, to be angry, to be hurt. But we're invited to a life of sensitivity, kindness, and compassion. So Lord, we just ask that you would be with us. Help us to love the way that you love. My prayer for all of you is that good, God's goodness and grace would just rest upon you that you would be able to walk in the security of the love of Christ. And he would keep you in every way, in your spirit, in your soul, in your body, and in your mind. Yeah. Be so blessed, because you're so loved.